0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks a lot for joining us. We're going to get to those stories in just a moment, but first we have some breaking news. The jury in the first-degree murder trial of a man accused of killing a Vancouver Island man after walking away from a minimum security prison has returned with its verdict.
1: And James Lee Bush has been found guilty of first-degree murder in the brutal 2019 killing of 60-year-old Martin Payne. Our Ramina Dea is in the courtroom where the jury has just handed down that verdict. We'll have more on their decision and reaction coming up tonight on the News Hour.
0: All right. For For now, though, the B.C. government is taking its first major step to dismantle a pair of housing encampments in Vancouver's downtown east side.
1: The province, in partnership with the city of Vancouver, Announcing 90 modular homes on two sites. Richard Zussman has more.
0: A
2: desperate state, an eyesore, not safe. Just a few ways the growing encampment on Hastings has been described. One the province is vowing to get
3: rid of. Encampments offer a sense of community for some people. But they're not safe or suitable form of long-term shelter. On Wednesday, the B.C.
2: government and the city of Vancouver announcing two bridge locations with 90 new modular housing units, one at Main and Terminal, the other at West 2nd and Ash. They will include 24-7 supports, including for mental health, set to open in March of next year, with the plan to be open for at least three years
0: it's temporary and it's coming here quick it should be in place by march and it's going to prov- provide a lot more quality social like supportive housing to people that really need it
2: these homes will be offered first to people living in shelters to free up shelter space for those in encampments the 90 units will only house a small part of the estimated 425 people currently in both Crab Park and on Hastings. One
4: of the challenges that we faced previously around encampments when we move people in a big group from an encampment into a single building uh, directly into housing, uh, we don't get the chance to know people. We don't get a chance to know what their needs are.
2: THE PREMIER HAS ALREADY APPOINTED HOUSING MINISTER RAVI KALON TO LEAD THE PROVINCE'S COORDINATED APPROACH IN THE DOWNTOWN EAST SIDE. SECURING THESE MODULAR HOMES IS JUST ONE STEP AS THE PROVINCE WORKS TOWARDS TAKING DOWN THAT ENCAMPMENT ON HASTINGS.
4: WE'RE DEVELOPING A PLAN, AN URGENT RESPONSE PLAN ABOUT HOW TO DECAMP THE SITES. BUT LONGER TERM, WE'RE TALKING ABOUT PHASE TWO AND PHASE THREE, WHAT DOES THE FUTURE OF THE DOWNTOWN EAST, east SIDE LOOK LIKE?
2: The longer-term goal is to ease the burden on Vancouver and move housing and supports that go with it to other places in Metro Vancouver.
4: We can't have just one city do all the supportive housing. Uh, We can't have just one city have all of the supports and all of the services. Uh, It needs to be dispersed throughout the region.
2: Where in the region will be the next debate, as no community hopes their home will turn into this. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: All right, let's bring in Keith Baldry now for more on this. Specifically, Keith, let's talk about this new relationship between Mm -hmm. the new premier of BC and the new mayor of Vancouver and uh, the cooperation between the province and the city now.
3: Quite interesting to see this develop back when David Eby endorsed Kennedy Stewart for mayor back in the last uh, civic election. There had been speculation that the relationship between him and the new mayor, Ken Sim, might be a bit rocky. In fact, quite the opposite seems to be happening. Disclosed today that uh, David Eby has been meeting with uh, Ken Sim regularly in the last couple of weeks and with representatives of his government. So the relationship between Victoria here and Vancouver City Hall seems to be much better than it was under the Kennedy Stewart administration. The Premier making the point today, government at all levels have to work together and he went out of his way to thank Mayor Ken Sim.
4: This is a complex issue and we need all hands on deck to address it. That includes all orders of government, service providers, law enforcement, residents of Vancouver and First Nations leadership. And I want to take a a moment to specifically thank Mayor Sim, and council and staff of the City of Vancouver for us to be able to move so quickly on these projects.
3: So I just bumped into another senior cabinet minister over here who also tells me that he's been having phone calls with Mayor Ken Sim, wants him to go out and have a beer and talk about issues. So I think the relationship, again, between Vancouver City Hall and the the provincial government here in B.C. is likely going to be one of the best ones we've seen in a number of years.
1: Mm, Time will tell. All right. Thanks for that, Keith.
3: A man is in a
0: hospital after he was stabbed in Vancouver this morning. It happened just before noon near the Carnegie Community Centre at Main and Hastings Streets. Police say the 32-year-old was stabbed in the head and arm, but his injuries are not life-threatening. Officers are interviewing witnesses in the area. So far, though, no suspects have been arrested. It has been a deadly 24 hours across the Lower Mainland with the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team taking over three homicide cases. Krista Dow joins us now live with the details. And Krista, I hit, released some details today. What did they reveal?
5: Chris, despite that these three killings all happened within a short amount of time, investigators tell us there's nothing that leads them to believe that all three homicides are connected with one another. And uh, police updating us with their investigation so far on the three homicides and tell us that one person has been arrested and charged, and that was in connection with a homicide in North Vancouver. Now, police say that happened yesterday at 11 a.m., where police found 68-year-old Domingo Santos in her apartment. She was fatally stabbed. Police arrested her nephew, 46-year-old Anthony Del Rosario, with second-degree murder. Then later Tuesday night, just before 6 p.m., a 34-year-old man was shot at a home in Chilliwack. He was taken to hospital but died of his injuries. And police have identified him as Michael Delerma, who was known to police. And then the third homicide happened this morning at 7 a.m. in Mission man was found with stab wounds on 4th Avenue and IHIT has identified the victim but has yet to notify next of kin so they have not released his identity or their identity rather. It's believed this was targeted too but a motive is unclear. Here's what IHIT had to say about the timeline of these three homicides.
6: The information we have is that they're not connected. Um, yes, they happen within a short span of time. But uh, we're seeing a lot of different motives, a lot of different scenarios play out, whether they be domestic assaults, familial um, homicides, stuff like that. I would say that like, there is no one main thing that's the catalyst for this uptake in call volume.
0: Hmm, so a lot of people might be curious if uh, they believe these are related at all to the Lower Mainland gang conflict. It doesn't sound like it from that answer.
5: Yeah, Chris, um, police are looking into that possibility. With respect to the two stabbing homicides that was in North Vancouver and in Mission, police believe they're not connected to the Lower Mainland Gang Conflict and they were isolated incidents. Uh, Regarding the Chilliwack shooting homicide, police did confirm there was a burnt-out vehicle located about 10 minutes away from that crime scene. So uh, police are looking into whether that is connected, but right now not confirming and say it's still too early to say, Chris.
0: All right. Thanks very much for that, Krista. That's Krista Dow reporting for us.
1: Police are looking for victims and witnesses to several unprovoked assaults in Gastown last month. Officers responded to multiple 911 calls on November 28th after witnesses saw a man slap a woman, assault a cyclist, and then attack a person walking with a group near West Cordova and Abbott Streets. The suspect also allegedly tried to fight someone near the Metropole pub and pulled out a weapon before police arrived suspect was confronted by officers. He was shot and then taken to hospital. Anyone with information is asked to call VPD's major crime section.
0: Vancouver police are investigating a bad crash downtown that sent a driver to hospital. The Porsche was eastbound on Georgia. A witness says the driver was weaving in and out of traffic, lost control and crashed, knocking down a pole and coming to rest on the sidewalk where you see it in this video. The Vancouver police traffic unit says the driver was well over twice the legal limit for alcohol and it's the second time in two years he's faced criminal charges for impaired driving.
1: Well, she went for a hike on a trail system she knows well, but she hasn't been seen since. The last known sighting of Melissa McDevitt and what her father says about the disappearance. Next on the NewsHour.
7: I fixed it again only because I love the God, I love the Christmas, i love the kids
0: an early gift for seniors hit by thieves the support that's helping them save christmas coming up
1: also tonight the limited release that had hundreds of people lining up at waterfront sky train station that's coming up later
0: right now though time is running out to find a missing woman on vancouver island last spotted on security camera footage near the souk potholes
1: melissa mcdevitt is an avid hiker but has a rare condition that puts her at higher risk. Kylie Stanton spoke with her father who flew
8: up from the US to try to find her. Parenting is all about showing up in the good times, and in this case, the bad.
2: I'm not remotely capable of finding my daughter, but you gotta try.
8: After flying in from his home in North Carolina, Tom McDevitt is here and ready to help, joining the search for his daughter, Melissa.
2: My wife and I have to be strong and we are going to continue to hope for that she will be a miracle.
8: Family members knew something was wrong when the 39-year-old missed her flight home for the holidays, later learning she didn't even arrive at the ferry she had planned to catch to get to the airport. A missing persons report was filed and knowing she had been hiking the souk area. Officers were directed to the trails.
4: A search started as soon as her vehicle was located here. Uh, Teams have been on the ground every day since then.
9: We're doing everything we can to make sure we've covered every possibility
8: surveillance video captured McDevitt as she entered the trails, showing her wearing only light clothing and carrying a pair of hiking poles.
4: This map marker indicates her last known point.
8: McDevitt is described as neurodivergent. She has a rare genetic condition called XXX syndrome impacting her social interactions and making her prone to riskier behaviours. What's now being carefully considered to inform the search.
4: It does tell us that she's going to find cover. She's going to look for uh, you know, a structure, a building, uh, underneath a root ball, anything to get herself out of the element.
8: The plan is to scale back the search until the weekend when resources from across the province can join in. But hope remains high.
2: I might find that proverbial needle in the haystack and maybe that will be my gift of my lifetime to bring my daughter out.
8: And while the chances of a rescue fades with every passing day, this father will keep searching. He showed up and he won't give up.
2: It's equally important that we just have a recovery and that we can have closure for our family and take our daughter home.
1: Kylie Stanton, Global News, Suk. Well, coming up, it's the car component thieves can't get enough of. And it takes almost no time to steal them. Why catalytic converters are still disappearing at a rapid rate despite a recent crackdown.
0: And how the high cost of car insurance is a roadblock for young people in more ways than one
10: starting to ease off now for southbound traffic on Highway 99 through Delta towards the 91 and further south into Surrey. Have a million gifts to give. Scratch the perfect gift off your list with scratch and win tickets available at your local retailers. 19 plus to play. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One high above Highway 99 in Delta.
0: From the stories we need to know to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect. BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Police across the South Coast are seeing a spike in catalytic converter thefts this year.
1: ICBC crunched the numbers for Global News and despite rules to crack down on illicit dealing, the insurer paid almost as much for stolen devices in the first half of 2022 as they did all of last year. Aaron MacArthur reports
11: gone in 60 seconds stealing catalytic converters is quick easy and lucrative despite new rules aimed to curb the resale value of these parts the number of thefts has skyrocketed in bc
6: well i'm sure the whole neighborhood heard me when I, when she started
11: lewis corkham found out the hard way how easy it is to become a victim
6: what i find frustrating is that somebody's buying these this is a cat cage
11: new rules introduced in march were brought in to help curb the resale of catalytic converters. Scrap dealers are now required to record and report all points of contact. But according to the Surrey RCMP, there are still avenues to sell illegal items. Mobile metal recyclers were exempt. The Surrey RCMP working with city bylaws and regionally to put a stop to what was essentially an oversight.
12: If these regulations were were in place for everybody, it would affect the ability to sell a stolen catalytic converter
11: according to the surrey rcmp catalytic converter theft makes up 45 percent of all theft from auto the thefts used to be tied to only a handful of prolific offenders now the volume suggests a much wider spread network of thieves
13: so in 2021 the average catalytic converter theft per week was about 16 per week and in surrey alone And 2022, that has gone up to
5: 31.
11: According to ICBC, in the first half of 2022, more than 2,300 catalytic converters have been stolen around Metro Vancouver, more than a quarter of those in Surrey. The thefts add up, costing ICBC more than $5.3 million. The public safety minister, well aware of the issues, and is trying to choke off export avenues.
12: It may well require uh, additional uh, effort uh, from, uh, from Ottawa at the port level. Crooks
11: at this point seemingly one step ahead of any measures to stop them. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
1: A critic of ICBC says young people are still paying too much for auto insurance in BC and are being punished simply because of their inexperience.
0: As Julie Nolan reports, he says the proof is in the same report the BC government holds up to say our rates are among the lowest in the country
10: a vehicle in BC can be quite costly.
3: And insurance is not it's not too nice. I'm paying just around a little bit over 400 right now a month. With other monthly
10: expenses on the rise it's hard for young drivers like or Baganje to catch a break.
3: We could put that money into different things education stuff like that.
10: So your parents are insuring you're insuring the vehicle for you so yeah. that you don't have to pay. Yeah. yeah my parents do that for me and my sister. And would you otherwise be able to to afford it? No I
4: wouldn't readjust that rating system and make it a little less onerous on the young drivers.
10: Reacting to a report by Ernst & Young showing B.C. and Saskatchewan have the lowest insurance rates in the country, a public policy researcher is highly critical of ICBC's rating system for young drivers. That report showed that an 18-year-old driver in Vancouver will pay just over $3,000 a year to insure a 2012 Honda Civic. That same driver pays only about $1,100 in Saskatoon and about $1,500 in Winnipeg. Rick McCandless wonders if ICBC's rates could be modelled off the system in Manitoba that doesn't punish drivers for being inexperienced or young.
2: They've ignored the fact that um, if you have a clean record,
4: uh, you shouldn't get penalized financially um, compared to those that have a number of at fault accidents.
10: Global News reached out to ICBC for comment, and they contend their system does not consider age, adding, we are pleased to see the enhanced care model is providing all of our customers with more affordable insurance, including inexperienced drivers. We are not making any changes to our rating model at this time.
12: They do pay more than Saskatchewan and Manitoba, uh, but compared to the old system that used to be in place, uh, they pay significantly less. And In fact, they were the biggest beneficiaries in lower insurance rates uh, once we moved to enhanced care.
10: With ICBC standing by, the affordability of their model adopted last year. Julie Nolan, Global News.
0: Still ahead, a frightening side effect of influenza
9: she was terrified and and yelling and screaming
0: for help what some sick children are seeing and hearing that's not really there
1: also i had the call for winter gear that went even better than expected and how it's heading to ukraine that's next
10: Good evening. Counterflow is out over here at the Massey Tunnel, but traffic is still a little bit busy in both directions, seeing delays from the Steveston on ramp heading south and starting to ease off from the 17A heading north. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel.
0: Firefighters on Vancouver's North Shore have already collected enough donations to send a container full of goods to Ukraine. The container was filled today for the journey overseas. The campaign was spearheaded by the District of North Vancouver Fire and Rescue Services. With the help of donations, the team gathered enough in the past couple of weeks to fill two 40 foot containers. Firefighters say donations of warm winter clothing and other items have been dropped off to fire halls and sent in from people all over B.C.
12: Absolutely surprised at the amount of donations we're getting. Um, we know that everyone is uh, very generous, but uh, the amount of things that we're getting at the fire halls uh, is, is really taking us
0: off guard. It's been a huge team effort. As you can see, everyone's sorting behind me. We're, we're slowly getting it together and, and getting out the door as quick as we can. The firefighters are now asking anyone who would like to contribute to consider doing so financially so that they can pay for a second container to send all of the goods overseas. So information on how to donate can be found on the DNV Fire Charity website.
1: Well, waterfront station in downtown Vancouver was packed with people today.
0: All of them trying to get their hands on what might be the hottest gift for Christmas for transit users. Ted Field explains.
4: Hundreds of people lined up for an hour or even longer trying to get their own little Skytrains. TransLink has launched a compass card shaped like a mini train.
1: Because it's formed like a train so it's so adorable to me.
4: A lot of people waiting in line were university students and regular transit users.
6: I have finals I have to study for but you know this is more important.
4: John Jang with TransLink says this compass product is different.
6: Unlike the other compass products this one actually has an LED light so each time you tap in It'll actually light up.
4: The limited edition mini trains are destined to be collector's items, but for some, it's just another way to get around.
13: It's just a little thing to make my commute a little more enjoyable.
4: Ted Field, Global News.
1: Well, it's been a challenging year for the technology sector, but new software developed by San Francisco-based OpenAI is taking the tech world by storm. Global's Karen Lieberman shows us how it works.
14: This artificial intelligence bot is beyond what many of us have ever seen before, and it is becoming a viral sensation because of, well, what it can do, which is both amazing and actually a little bit frightening. Here's how ChatGBT works. You type in a question. It's pretty simple. It could be something like, write a wedding toast, and it communicates back in plain English, giving you exactly what you asked for. Try asking it to write a poem, let's say about the stars in the sky, and wait for it, there it is. With the holidays coming up, you might even try asking for a list of gift ideas for the tech lover in your life. Essentially, this allows the user to use natural language, the type you would use with a friend to ask a question, and the response you'll receive is just as conversational.
13: So people are asking questions like, are NFTs dead? Or write a song like Taylor Swift would sing, but make it about nuclear fusion.
14: This person tweeted, OMG, ChatGBT is about to make my life 10 times easier, but hey, there are a couple of warnings.
13: If you're a programmer, you should be concerned. This can write code. So there's concern about job loss, right? I'm a freelance journalist. Someone could leverage ChatGPT to write an article that's as good, if not better than what I can crank out. Where is ChatGPT getting this uh, information from and is it accurate? Is it trustworthy?
14: Okay, so it isn't perfect, but techies are still over the moon with excitement over it. Now, some even expect that it could one day take over some search engines like Google, but there are some limitations. For example, the knowledge that it has is only up to 2021. So yes, it's current, but it's not entirely up to date. And finally, I leave you with this. Have a look. This is what this report would have looked like had ChatGBT written it for me. It's not bad, right? Which is also a little concerning. Back to you. And Karen did it better.
0: Absolutely. There's no replacement (laughs) for her or us.
1: No. (laughs) All right. In health matters tonight, a Vernon doctor is sharing her daughter's experience with the flu and the child's rather unsettling symptoms.
0: That's right, as Jasmine King reports, this year's flu strain caused the young girl to have hallucinations, seeing and hearing people that weren't really there. She was
9: terrified and and yelling and screaming for help. When Dr.
15: Catherine McKinley's daughter, Marissa, had the flu a few weeks ago, she had the normal symptoms, fever, fatigue and muscle aches. However, she also had one that was not
9: as common. She thought she could hear voices yelling at her. She thought she could see a bench with people on it, um, and none of those things were real. Marissa was hallucinating, and Dr. McKinley assured her daughter that nothing was there, but the
15: second day of her illness is when they became prevalent.
9: They were, each episode of them was quite brief, so only lasting, you know, a minute to two minutes, um, but happened a few times over the course of the day. Her daughter
15: tested positive for influenza A. And Dr. McKinley says although the symptom hasn't been seen much before this flu season, there has been five cases of kids experiencing hallucination in Vernon this year. She wants to warn families of the wide variety of
9: symptoms they may see in children. Influenza has many different presentations. Particularly this year, we are seeing a a strain of it that is quite virulent. Um, And so there's lots of different symptoms that kids are experiencing. Dr. McKinley says there has been a big spike in admissions and they've seen many children come through
15: the emergency room with influenza. Interior Health is reminding the public what they can do to best protect kids from the flu. Get children immunized against influenza and ensure all other immunizations are up to date. This year's influenza vaccine is a good match for the strains circulating in our communities. When people around children also get immunized, it adds another layer of protection. Interior Health is offering flu shot clinics across the Okanagan for people of all ages. Jasmine King, Global News, Vernon.
0: Coming up, saving the season for seniors hit by the Grinch. I'm just so happy for you that you've got these. Decoration duplicates help bring back the joy of Christmas.
1: And the New Year tradition making a comeback after COVID.
0: A fairly sizable portion of the country is bracing to get walloped by a winter storm. Weather
1: statements and warnings are in place from Saskatchewan to Quebec. Global's Kyle Benning has more.
6: Many in the prairies have already brought out snowblowers and shovels this season, but some Canadians could be spending more time clearing snow this week.
16: After bringing up to 30 centimeters of snow to parts of southern Saskatchewan and Manitoba, this monstrous Colorado low-pressure system that spans over 2,000 kilometers will bring in freezing rain, shifting over to snow into parts of southern Ontario. This system then marches into southern Quebec. Some areas in eastern Canada could see upwards of 25 centimeters of snow.
6: Environment Canada has sent out warnings, alerts, and statements over snowfall, ice, and wind across a number of provinces. Snow could be in the forecast for a few days in some regions from this system. And sometimes they cover half of the continent, North America. And what we see here is that, you know, when we look at the precipitation field, so rain, snow, it's stretching from Texas all the way north to Churchill. And while blizzard-like conditions are evident in some states like the Dakotas and Minnesota,
13: Tornado!
6: Twisters are more common in others. At least two people died in Louisiana as windstorms popped up from New Orleans to Mobile, Alabama.
7: The roof was gone. And, you know, they always say that you hear a train coming. Well, this was a big train to come through here.
6: Wind speeds are expected to reach up to 70 kilometres per hour in southern Ontario
0: in the coming days. Kyle Benning, Global News. That's going to be nasty, but you know, sometimes you just want to be cold. And that's good news for Vancouverites looking to start 2023 with an icy splash.
1: The polar bear swim is back at English Bay after a three-year COVID-19 hiatus. It is one of Vancouver's oldest and largest New Year's traditions, and this year is turning 103. To celebrate its return, swimmers can enjoy all the benefits of a frigid swim as well as live music, food, and a plunge with the granddaughter of original polar bear swimmer Peter Pantages.
4: It feels like it's a new beginning. January 1st, um, being able to do it together in person again. I think it's. Uh, it feels like it's a way of us getting together and celebrating a fresh start. The Pantages family have uh, had this long-standing family uh, tradition that has turned into a full-blown Vancouver tradition. And essentially, we could say we're a much larger family now.
1: Changing rooms, lockers and warming stations will be provided. But keep in mind, space is limited. So come prepared for that fresh start to the new year with a warm set of clothes.
0: A big, cozy blanket.
1: And a thermos good. and
0: all that good mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, OK, so we saw that information about the big winter storm hitting the rest of Canada. What about us? And we're not totally out of the woods either, are we, Christy?
17: No, absolutely not. In fact, what I was going to talk about right off the bat here is the potential for very cold conditions in our area. You've likely heard sort of people alluding to this. What I want to explain to you is that there is good agreement amongst the computer models that we're going to see a significant drop in temperature next week. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and into Friday. It doesn't look like it's going to be a prolonged period. It could just be a two or three day event. The question is really more so how cold will it get? There are some computer models that are showing that it could be record-breaking cold, whereas others are not. So that's what we're going to uh, sort of wait to see. It's still seven days away, so there's still a lot of uncertainty, but it does look like it's definitely going to get cold. Here's a quick look. We've got a reach of high pressure right now, and that's going to start to back away over the weekend, the potential for snow, and then that uh, extreme cold starts to shuttle in on Tuesday. And again, it's Wednesday, particularly Thursday, and then we'll start to warm-up it looks like on Friday, but be prepared for the cold, whether it be your plants or animals or just yourself. Tonight will be chilly as well. We're expecting lows of minus 12, for example, in Prince George, climbing only to minus 8. We are going to see extensive valley fog or valley cloud across the region. Sunshine by the afternoon though, and for our region, patchy fog in the morning, but it is expected to break out of that, or we are expected to break out of it, but Port Alberni, you may not, for example. So two more days of sunny conditions, which is great, but by Saturday, Sunday, the potential for snow definitely shifts in. We're going to be hovering around the freezing mark, as you can see. So it'll be a changeover from rain to snow over the weekend. And then it's next week that we have the potential for that drop in temperature. Heads up. Here's tonight's central windows weather window. And I'll tell you, I couldn't make a decision. So I'm going to show you two. Here's a look at the first one. This is looking out over Okanagan Lake from the Vernon area. Wilf staring that one. Just a stunning shot with the mountain in the background there. And another one from Big White, look at this, a stunning shot. And that's that valley cloud that I was talking about. So we've got an inversion in the interior. Some areas are able to break it out of that cloud uh, in the afternoon and some aren't. They're stuck underneath that, whereas all the sunshine and warmth is higher up. Okay, back to you guys. Nice to get above the clouds. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Christy. Chairlift to heaven. Mm
0: -hmm. Anyway, all right, uh, Squire's here with a look ahead to sports and some good news for the BC Lions. Wasn't that a song by Led Zeppelin? (laughs)
13: Chairlift Chairlift to, heaven. to heaven I'm not Chairlift sure if those
0: were the exact lyrics maybe I'm wrong
13: uh, every
1: high school dance
13: <laughs> yes that was the high that was when you dance like this we're like <laughs> on each other's shoulders uh, the BC Lions are bringing back their management and coaching staff for next season but what about Nathan Rourke all really the Lions can do is wait and see if he signs in the NFL
12: he started, he started working out December 1st, and the window keeps on going. Um, I mean, he has until February at some point to make a decision.
13: However, if Rourke doesn't sign with an NFL team, he will come back to BC for sure. But what's the plan if he stays down south? We'll find out.
1: Also ahead, seniors hit by thieves and how this Christmas story has a happy ending. Reminiscing about our high school dances.
13: High school dances.
1: <laughs> and Girls <laughs> on
13: one side of the gym wall, boys on the other side. And it was right. no man's land between you. Nobody <laughs> dared walk out. Oh, the good old days. Uh, looking happen? at the line combinations this morning in Calgary, the Canucks' number one line, at least in practice, for the Flames tonight will be Bo Horvat with Curtis Lazar and JT Miller on the wings. Second line, Patterson with Kuzmenko and Mikheyev. Bester's on the third line with Drys and Connor Garland. Miller, of course, has moved from wing to center and back again, and Bruce Boudreaux feels that at this very moment, it's better to have JT along the boards than in the middle. Although, Miller only has one goal in his last 11 games, which is kind of strange because the Canucks have been scoring. They have 35 in their last 11 as a team.
12: When when push comes to shove, JT um, uh, would like to be in the middle. I'd like to have him in the middle. Um, it's the same as Petey last year played 30 games on the wing, but I know we wanted to play in the middle. But we have to do what's best that we think for the team. And right now it would be JT playing where he is.
13: All right, this was the historic moment last night his third goal against Chicago and in the 800th goal of his NHL career. Alexander Ovechkin, only Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky have scored 800 plus in NHL history. Howe is at 801. Ovechkin plays Dallas tomorrow, Toronto on Saturday. He has seven goals in his last four games, so chances are good he will either equal Mr. Hockey or pass him before the end of this week. And then he'll have Wayne Gretzky in his sights. And this was what happened after the game. All the players waiting for Big O to drench him with whatever they had in their hands. And he will pass Wayne Gretzky one day, unless, of course, Some devastating injury happens to him, and you hope not. Well, when you have a 12-6 season, and you're not going to make a lot of changes after you have a 12-6 season, are you? So today, the BC Lions signed head coach Rick Campbell to a contract extension through 2024. They also are going to bring back all his assistant coaches for next season. They also re-signed co-GM and director of football operations Neil McAvoy through 2024. But, of course, nobody knows if quarterback Nathan Rourke is coming back as well. People who run football teams like to have a lot of control over their particular situation. But as far as Nathan Rourke is concerned, his situation is out of the hands of Neil McAvoy and the BC Lions, and they know this. He has until February to sign with an NFL team. If he doesn't, he would come back to the BC Lions, but that seems 50-50 at best right now.
12: We're going to do whatever it takes to, uh, you know, make Nathan as comfortable as possible in British Columbia. But, you know, if if that means he goes to the NFL, then uh, we're going to, you know, uh, wish him the best and be his biggest supporters. So obviously the Lions have
13: to be prepared for life without Nathan Rourke. But they feel they may already have his replacement in Vernon Adams, who was brought in from Montreal during the season
12: after Rourke injured his foot. If if Nathan signs somewhere else, then we will gladly and happily bring Vernon as our leader. We believe we can win with him. We have won with him. But uh, you know what? Time will tell exactly what will happen. Of course, Nathan Rourke
13: isn't the only BC line who might not be back in 2023. But that's how it is when you run a CFL team. Player retention might be harder than actually
12: winning a Grey Cup. Once you have uh, signs of success, everyone wants to pick your pocket. And, uh, you know, it's tough financially to compete or impossible to compete with the National Football League. Those are the top dogs. And so uh, all we can do is uh, give guys opportunities to play in Canada and uh, hope for the best. And uh, so far, we've been able to do that.
13: The defending World Cup champs from France will have a chance to continue being the defending World Cup champs on Sunday. Nice goal, five minutes in by Theo Hernandez against Morocco to give France a 1-0 lead in this semi-final. Of course, the winner taking on Argentina. Big chance here for El Yamique. Look at this, over the head, off the post. Maurice got his hand on that as well. And then uh, some magic from Mbappe. Around a few Moroccans, it goes right to Randall Kolomouane. That makes it 2-0, so it'll be France against Argentina and Messi Sunday, 7 o'clock, our time. There is also a third-place game between Croatia and Morocco. As we said before, the two teams who are in Canada's group, they'll play each other Saturday morning.
0: There you go. That's early.
1: All right. Thank you, Squire.
0: Just ahead, the Christmas display do-over that's even better the second time around. From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Real quick, we're returning to our top story, a verdict in a high-profile murder case for one of two men accused of killing a Vancouver Island man after both escaped from a minimum security prison.
1: James Lee Bush has been found guilty of first-degree murder in the 2019 killing of 60-year-old Martin Payne. This just one day after jury deliberations began. Bush's co-accused, Zachary Armitage, pleaded guilty to first-degree murder halfway through the trial. Payne was killed one day after Bush and Armitage walked away from the William Head Institution, eight kilometers from Payne's home in Machosan. A sentencing hearing for Bush takes place tomorrow.
5: we elated to know that um, Bush will be held accountable for his actions and that honestly the public is more safe without him on the streets. As I was sitting there listening to the evidence, I thought how can it not be this, you know. Um, so hearing them come back with that what that verdict was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a great feeling
1: story of course just breaking uh earlier this evening jordan i'm sure you'll be talking more about that tonight and you also have a preview of the other stories you're working on for 11.
11: indeed sophie we will have more reaction and details from inside the courtroom plus the federal government's announced big changes impacting the pacific salmon fishery as part of efforts to conserve stocks that are declining to historic lows the department of fisheries and oceans is rolling out a voluntary buyback and retirement program for commercial fishing licenses It says the goal is to end up with a substantial reduction in fleet size, and we'll have more details at 11. Sophie.
1: All right, sounds good. Thanks, Jordan.
0: All right, right now, it looks like the Christmas spirit has triumphed over some Grinches who tried to ruin a Vancouver couple's holiday season.
1: After we reported on the heartless theft of their decorations, the response was both heartwarming and overwhelming. And
16: reports. Every once in a while, there's a story like this. I try to put some lights. It tests your faith in humanity to see if the good in us outweighs the bad. And at the center of this iteration.
7: We're old people. (laughs) You are old. I'm old, of course I'm old. (laughs) Is a
16: Vancouver couple in their 80s who fell victim to the Grinch himself.
7: I'm so upset. I come outside in the morning, everything is gone, and I start crying.
16: It was only last week that we first told you about the morning Nikki Angelopoulos and her husband John woke up to find their beloved holiday display ruined, ransacked by a thief. It still hurts them to think about it.
7: I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Why they do that?
16: But this story didn't end there. It couldn't have because at their home of 50 years, there is a new display back up and running.
7: I fix it again only because I love the God, I love the Christmas, I love the kids.
16: Immediately after the robbery, Nikki jumped onto Amazon and ordered as many new inflatable decorations as she could but what she didn't see coming were donations from complete strangers.
1: I'm just so happy for you that
16: You've got these.
7: Thank you very, and very what much. what a nice
16: thing to do. Coming to drop off decorations and gift cards.
7: The people, they come here, they give me and they left. They didn't say nothing to me. They say happy, merry Christmas.
16: For that, she is grateful. And her holiday tradition has been saved.
4: I feel a lot better.
7: Lots of better.
16: Because every good Christmas story has a happy ending.
7: I want to say for my heart, it's a big, big thank you to everybody. I wish them Merry, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.
16: Emma Adegahi, Global News. That's the spirit.
0: Yeah, sure is. Uh, okay, speaking of the spirit, let's be honest. We'll get to that in a minute. I guess we'll talk about the, we'll, we'll talk about the Christmas wish breakfast in a moment because it's full of spirit. But last word on weather before we go, Christy.
17: Sure. So we still have two more sunny days on the way, which is fantastic. Get prepared for some snow, though, over the weekend. It's going to be one of those scenarios where we're hovering around the freezing mark, as you can see, in terms of the temperature. But yes, it looks like temperatures are going to drop next week. More details as to how cold it will get and for how long as we get a little bit closer.
0: i got the shovel ready.
1: And the Good. boots and uh, and the
0: <laughs> windshield scraper. That's All
1: right. right, after a three-year hiatus because, of course, of the pandemic, the 35th annual Christmas Wish Breakfast made a comeback at the Pan Pacific this morning, and the response was amazing.
0: The most recent count shows 15 tons of toys were donated and about $36,000 in cash and gift cards. And so we want to leave you tonight with a big thank you to everyone who came down and donated to make Christmas a little merrier for those in need. Thank you so much, and thanks for watching. Good night.
3: It really gives me the sense of what Global BC means to the community, but what the community gives back.
13: Go <laughs> <laughs> no, ahead, you know? hey, Give me a hand here.
7: Yeah!
4: Can you give us a wave? How are y'all feeling?
9: What do you have in the bag?
13: My presents.
6: I've got all my presents. Hey! Sounded pretty good.
9: You know what, Jen? We're having a little too
0: much fun here. We're having so much fun.
6: Christmas Bureau is getting a cheque for $143,000! Come
16: this way, say
6: hi! Thank you to every single person who mm -hmm. came out and decided they wanted to be part of what we're doing here today because it's not possible without every single person who came and donated.